Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. I think the most important media literacy question is who's the sender? If we hope to survive in this digital age, we have to think critically about the messages we consume. Someone created those messages for a reason. Let's find out why. Sometimes we just have to ask, what the media? I'm Megan Lynch, host and reporter at Legacy 50,000-watt AM radio station KMOX in St. Louis, Missouri. In my three decades as a journalist, I've had the honor of receiving a number of awards for my work, including one I'm most proud of, a National Edward R. Murrow Award. I'm joined by Julie Smith, author of Master the Media, How Teaching Media Literacy Can Save Our Plugged-In World. As an instructor and public speaker, Julie teaches how to dissect what you see and hear so you can be a savvy digital consumer. In this episode, we look at why media literacy is so important. I want to step back and talk about why we have decided to focus on media literacy in the first place. And I think for myself, the past few years have been exhausting. When it comes to trying to ferret out the truth, especially things on social media platforms, but also when it comes to watching what the legacy or mainstream media are doing, including at my own station, and trying to go back to some of those ethical principles, I wanted to just step back and and look at our conversations in the past. I called you probably maybe a couple of years ago. About TikTok. About TikTok, yes. (laughs) Yeah. And how, as parents, we help our kids navigate that. And so this started this relationship uh, of ours and, and talking about media literacy and me learning more about it through you. So for our listeners, first off, the, the big question is, what is media literacy? It's almost easier to describe what media literacy is not. Okay, okay. It's not media bashing although there are definitely parts that probably deserve bashing, right? It's not media bashing. It is critical consumption of the messages that we receive 24 hours a day. So we're asking questions. We're encouraging people to constantly ask questions. Who's the sender of the message? What's their motive or intent? How is the message designed to get my attention or to make me feel a certain way? Who's the target market? Who profits from this message? What information is left out? How does this make me feel? How could someone else interpret the message differently than me? So we're constantly asking questions about the messages that we're receiving, not because we hate the messages, but because since we spend so much time with the media, I think the last data says we spend between 11 and 12 hours a day consuming electronic mass media, 
we should be talking about it more than we do, right? We should be analyzing it and really studying the way that the media teach us about ourselves and about each other and why that is and what our relationship is with the media, how we use it and how they use us. And maybe we need to step back and define the media as well. I see this a lot, and I see that term used almost as a derogatory term, the media. And it's a, it's I, a huge term that covers a lot. Yeah, and I want to ask people, well, who are you <clears throat> referring to? What report sparked this? What on Twitter got you to this point where you're talking about the media and their narrative? I, you know... I'm in the media, and I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> well, if they are, um, if they're using the media in a derogatory way, it probably means that someone who gave them a message they didn't like. <laughs> probably, <laughs> right? <laughs> so we're talking about kind of our legacy media, which is television, radio, newspapers, right. magazines. Well, and even so, I would call the legacy media a subset of that. Okay. You know, uh, in St. Louis, it would be KMOX, be the Post Dispatch, right? Uh, nationally, it would be the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, uh, NBC, ABC, CBS, the biggies, right? And yet, you know, thirty years ago, those entities really didn't have much competition. Now, they have a ton of competition. We have a thousand sources from where we can choose and get to get our information and entertainment, which has led to decreased trust in the legacy media from years ago. We can now create our own content that looks legitimate and we can choose messages from any source that we want. You know, that leads to fragmentation. It leads to isolation. It leads to um, our social media bubbles, right? But when I use the term media, I'm typically talking about any format or platform that sends me messages. So it could be a billboard on 270, for that matter, right? It's something that is trying to get me to notice the message. What has really exploded is social media. And it seems like there are more platforms being added all the time. It's user-generated content. So I have a special list on Twitter of trusted news organizations that I follow. So I have a list. But 95, 99% of my timeline on Twitter is people that do not have journalism backgrounds. But these social media platforms have given people the idea that their opinion is just as important as someone who has training. And in some cases, that's true, but not always, not always. So the struggle now, I think, with media literacy is that we're swimming in this ocean of messages that we don't even really notice anymore. And we're so surrounded by it, we're less likely to really analyze it because it's just a normal part of life. But I don't think we realize the effect it has on us about how it makes us feel how it helps us uh, define ourselves, how it helps us define others that we may not meet in person. There's just so much influence that the whole institution has that I really think we should be talking about it and analyzing it more. Well, even as much as I would analyze it as a professional, you know, as we are seeking the truth and sometimes, you know, you go down a hole for an hour trying to figure out where something came from right. and who was the author it's, of it. It's really hard to do. And it, and I always tease my students that, you know, today we're doing this on a Thursday, but I could probably find data online that said it's actually Tuesday. Right. <laughs> you can find anything online to back up any opinion that you want to find. And I think that that kind of adds to the confusion. I wonder sometimes how I am being subtly or maybe not so subtly influenced and you know, trying to sift through that, it's exhausting. It, it can is. it can be a full-time job for people, I believe. 
So let's let's go over in detail some of these strategies. You know, you rattled off a bunch of questions <laughs> that we should be asking. So let's go into those in a, in a little more um, depth. You know, first off, the first you see a, a post online, what are some of the things that you need to be thinking about it critically? Well, here's what here's what I would do, especially when all of the news about the pandemic started floating around about a year ago. I was encourage, encouraging people to get information from non-commercial websites. Go to a source that doesn't sell advertising hmm. because then they won't be as concerned about the clicks or the ratings and they might be more interested in real non-sensationalized information. That has to be very difficult to find. <laughs> it's getting more difficult yes. every day. Uh, that was my advice a year ago. Now, it, I don't know if it rings as true, but the main thing, I, I think the most important media literacy question is who's the sender? Because people will ask me all the time, Julie, where should I get my news? And I typically say, it doesn't matter as long as you know where it's coming from. So like when I read the National Review, I know it's conservative. When I read the Atlantic, I know it's liberal. I know this. I read both, right? But you have to know the angle of the sender of the message. And that that can be tough to, to uncover. There's a lot of layers there. That can be very difficult. I'll give you an example that I dealt with last year. There were a number of stories that were centered around youth sports and the shutdown in Illinois. And there were a number of articles that were shared from an organization called Prairie State Wire. Well, it looks absolutely legitimate. The, the headlines look legitimate. And so I started reading some of these articles and I thought, this is definitely, you can tell it has a bent to it. Okay, so how... When you say you could tell, how could you tell? The, the you, verbiage. Okay, so you knew that it was fishy because of the words used, the, word choices. The verbiage that was used, the experts that were used were difficult to find when I did a Google search. And then when I went to search the website of this, of this Prairie State Wire, what I found was it's, there's not much information on the website about what it is. Red flag. And they take donations. Red flag. <laughs> and they have a number of these quote-unquote publications around the state, each kind of tailored to different regions of the state, but all offering the same thing. I ended up going to, I think it was the Secretary of State's office, to look up ownership of it. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, it's controlled by just a couple of people. They really, they might use some freelancers every once in a while, um, but I, I myself would not consider it a legitimate news source, even though it looked like a news article. Well, but that took me a lot of time. That does take a lot of time. And you know what? If if you really liked that message, maybe personally, not in your professional world, but if you really liked that message, you wouldn't check it for authenticity. Oh, and people didn't because they, obviously, people on my f that are Facebook friends liked the message. They liked the message and they forwarded it time and time again. You know, one of the clues is if you find a website like that and you go to the about section, if there's not a lot of information in that section of the website, that's a red flag. You can also go to a really interesting website called whois.com and plug in a URL and it'll tell you who owns it, who pays for it. So that's interesting sometimes because... Um, Occasionally, my students will discover that really far right websites and really far left websites are actually owned by the same companies. 
Oh, whois.com. I'm going to start using yes, that. Yes, whois.com. So let's look beyond maybe the author and the organization. You asked me what what gave me a clue. Mm-hmm. And I told you it was some of the language that was used. It was um, words that were um, meant to elicit an emotional response. So they were connotative words, mm-hmm. loaded words. Yes. Okay. That's a biggie. But sometimes if it's a message that I really like, I won't notice because it's affirming what I think, feel, believe, and vote. One of the clues, I think, especially on social media platforms, is if you see something that gives you a strong emotional response, whether it's something that looks like a news site or a meme, or that is your first clue to check it. Because most professional news won't be presented in a way to get you agitated or use five exclamation points at the end of a headline. That's another clue too. So you want, you want to really keep tabs on your own reaction when you're consuming information, because if you have a strong emotional reaction, that's the number one clue that you should check it out. Sometimes if it's difficult to find out who the sender of the message is, that in itself is a red flag. You know, if they, if they are not open about who they are, that's fishy. And I don't mind a blogger. Because when you look at someone who's got a blog or you know their point of view, you you know what you're, I don't want to say getting into, but but you have a better understanding of why they've crafted the message a certain way. Right. You don't feel so duped, I guess, at the end of the day, if you, you know, if that makes sense. Wait, do you ever feel duped? There are times when I'm drawn in by headlines. Like oh, just, Megan, if you get duped, there's no hope for any of us. <laughs> and I'll start reading it and I'll be like, wait, that's like with these Prairie State Wire stories mm-hmm. where I thought, wow. And the one that really caught me was I had actually listened to the actual news conference that was posted online on Facebook from the governor. And they were... And it was unedited. It was the full thing. And right? I had watched the whole thing. And then someone posted an article based on it from this Prairie State Wire. And it was like, I don't remember seeing that in the news conference. And I actually went back and watched it again just to confirm. But most people don't have the time to do that. No. And who has the time? Because when you're analyzing media, it's like trying to drink out of a fire hose, right? (laughs) You don't have the time. And you barely have the time. And this is your job. So that's that's one of the biggest hurdles, I think, is that people feel like they don't have the time to really evaluate the messages. And that's not just news messages either, but television programs, movies, books, magazines, advertising, the, the whole the whole shebang. I think another dangerous area of this when you're trying to be media literate is facts and figures. Oh, especially when they're in infographic form. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Explain why that is even more tricky. Well, Okay, so we're really attracted to visuals much more than words, right? Our brains process visuals faster than they process words. So you can create an infographic or a chart that looks a certain way, but it's actually very misleading. And this is an assignment I actually give my students. And the point of that is that I never want them to see an infographic or a chart the same way again, knowing how easy they can be manipulated. So you can set up a, a bar graph, for example, that doesn't start at zero, right, to really show discrepancies between certain items. Um, In many cases, an infographic might be visually misleading with the actual statistics very tiny in word form, knowing that we really don't pay attention to the words. We look at the images. Mm -hmm. 
So it's very, very easy to get a quote unquote misleading, but um, very descriptive message to people. And I think what's hard in looking at things like that is figuring out, okay, so this is the data that they're showing me. What's missing? Mm -hmm. What do I not know about? And that can be very hard to discern, especially if you're glancing at something very quickly. And which that's what we do, right? We glance at things quickly. And that's my favorite media literacy question is what information is left out? Usually when you determine who the source is, you can pretty much predict what information is going to be left out. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's been wonderful for me to have these guidelines to help me mentally. Yeah. There was a point last year when the weight of all the messages coming in. And they were they were really depressing messages. Yes. Too. And it was, you know, it was one after the other. Constant. To step back and look at these kind of things, as aggravating as it is, it's been helpful for me to get beyond some of this. Right. So let's talk about the mental health aspect of of learning about media literacy. One of the things you know how sometimes words get used too much that they lose their power. I feel that way about the word empowered. It's To me, it's kind of a cheesy word, but media literacy empowers consumers to be in control of the relationship they have with the media. You understand the role you play in the economic structure of it all. You understand how messages are created to make you think or feel a certain way. So there's research now that media literacy helps people with their body image. It helps people with their sleeping. <laughs> it helps um, control materialistic tendencies once you understand how advertising works. Helps with self-esteem once you understand all the filters that are used. Uh, self-awareness, it can decrease anxiety because what you're doing is you're changing the relationship that you have with the media. You're no longer just consuming passively. You're actively consuming and it puts you more in control. So, I found this research and it said perceived control enhances the quality of your life. And with the pandemic and everything else that's been happening, we feel like we don't have control of exactly. Anything. Yes. But if we can apply media literacy skills to some of these messages, it might make us feel a little better about knowing why there's so much coverage of certain issues, knowing why certain words are used over and over again, or why certain images, or how doom scrolling through social media platforms forever can affect our sleep and our anxiety levels. It changes the relationship. So we're not anti-media at all. So the bottom line, how do we keep perspective and keep awareness and keep some of these questions in mind? Oh, that's tough. Um, And I would encourage people also to use media sometimes as a way to relax and unwind. You know, we do need occasionally chewing gum for the brain, one of my professors used to call it. So if you want to watch The Bachelor, watch The Bachelor, but understand why it is created the way it is so that you can enjoy it in a different way, right? If you need to play a certain game on your phone for a while before you fall asleep, do it. But understand how the app might be developed to keep you on it longer because that's how they make money. It's all about the feeling of control of the media we consume and control over how it affects us. I'm Megan Lynch with media literacy expert Julie Smith. What the Media is produced by Odyssey St. Louis from the studios of KMOX Radio. 
Our executive producer is Beth Coglin. We invite you to visit KMOX.com for more on our Media Literacy Project. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 